0: Because I do believe questions are extremely important, much more than statements. And so you may want to ask questions that would get this kid to think.
1: You're listening to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast, the only leadership podcast run by undergraduate students dedicated to helping undergraduate students lead in diverse fields from people in diplomacy to entertainment, from CEOs to student leaders, we feature people from all walks of life. It's all part of the mission. Here at the Pasino Leadership Institute, we make leaders better. Hello and welcome to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. My name is Kaida Jesus and I'll be your host. Today I'm talking to Elaine Lane, founder of David's Shoes, a nonprofit dedicated to reducing teen violence through youth empowerment, education and community engagement. Elaine, welcome to the show. Thank you. David Shoes, it's dedicated to ending gun violence. It's dedicated to ending violence in teens through community engagement, youth empowerment. I'd like to hear in your words what David Shoes means to you and what it's about.
0: David Shoes came into existence because my son was killed by another teen. At that particular time, he was 18 and the young man who killed him was 17. And after a few years of grief, I mean total grief, I eventually had to go to get mental health to help me get over that grief because it didn't seem like it was going anywhere. Once I began to work on it and began to move out of it, I was shocked because I found out that I wasn't the only one that this had happened to. You know, this was happening especially at that particular time almost daily. I am a former teacher of, from Newark. And so I have a, a real love for Newark and the kids from Newark. And that was happening in Newark almost daily. So I decided, I, I got to do something about this. You know, I don't know what it is, but I didn't realize the depth of the problem of gun violence, number one, especially among teens. And, you know, I began to do some research and found out, oh, my God. At that particular time, I think it was daily, at least 12 kids under the age of 19 were being killed. In the year in which my son was killed, 3,792 kids under the age of 19 were killed. And, you know, I just could not sit there and do nothing. And so I decided that I tried to, to... participate in other organizations that fought against gun violence. You know, Million Moms March, I tried to join. But for some reason, that wasn't feeding me, you know. I wasn't getting anything from it. Mm-hmm. And one Saturday, I went to an exhibit down in Newark, and it was during the Iraq War. And one side of the park, it had 2,000 boots. On the other side, it had a path of shoes of all different sizes and all, you know, the male, female, kids, you know, babies. And they asked you to walk it. Well, when I tried to walk it, I couldn't. Those shoes just had so much power. So on my way home, I said to myself, if those shoes could have that effect on me, could shoes that represent, off from, you know, kids who have been killed by gun violence. If that could have some kind of effect on those kids who we're asking to walk through, and if those kids can feel that energy and change, and if they need to change their behavior, save their own lives, mm-hmm. then that would be worth it. I started out, my motive was to collect 3790 I still am trying to. <laughs> collect that many shoes to create this humongous exhibit. I have quite a few shoes, but I want the kids to be able to, to see it and see the damage. My hope is, even when i giving what I call honor life presentations mm-hmm. to kids, that one kid would say, no, I've got to change. I want more. I've got to do differently.
1: So it started with the shoes, but you do other things. You do scholarships. You go to classrooms and talk. You also have several events a year. You have a mentorship program. How does it start with the shoes? And then how does it go to all these different things?
0: (laughs) I wanted to talk to kids. And I know kids are very visual. And so the shoes were this visual piece to represent what I was talking about, you know. And so I wanted to collect the shoes. Presentations were the first parts. And then I I realized, as a teacher, because as a teacher, you always look for this kid who is a pain, you know, and who needs your attention, and, and so you always work towards him. But there's another kid across there who's doing his best, and he deserves your attention as well. So I said to myself, I need to do something for kids who are on the mark, who are doing the things necessary, and who want to succeed and are planning to succeed. So that was the idea for the scholarships. And once we started with the scholarships, we realized that, number one, just because you go to school doesn't mean you finish. And a lot, to be honest with you, a lot of our African-American males who start school don't complete it. So that brought into mentorship, you know. So each child, each young man who gets a, a scholarship is paired with a mentor. So, just in case, just to have a shoulder to talk, a shoulder to cry on, an ear to hear, you know. And for me, what I do is I keep thinking of something else. What is it that I need to do to to connect, to let kids know that they are valued, that they are worthy, and that that's the way they should treat themselves. And if they treat themselves like that, then that's the way they should treat everybody else. Right now, we have an art contest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's for middle school kids, fifth through eighth. And what they have to do is, if they want to enter the contest, they have to draw what it means to honor life or some aspect of honoring life, you know. So we have to find out as many ways to get to as many kids as possible.
1: So something you brought up, which I think is so, so interesting, the idea of supporting not just the kid that looks like who needs help, but the kid that looks like that they're doing just fine. How do you support someone that doesn't look like they need help?
0: I think you begin where they are. Because just speaking to a kid is as far as I'm concerned healthy. And that's extremely important too. And I think we need to look at our own basic needs. What are our own basic needs? And if take for instance, I don't mind someone talking to me or or if I need this or that then those are the things that we are willing to reach out to. We're willing to reach out. We might hit the nail on the head, you know, and we might not. But one thing for sure, we we're going to go out there and try.
1: You've also thrown out the phrase, honor life, which is like a big, big thing in David's shoes. And I want to know like, how you were able to like, boil it down to that essence. Why did you choose those two words?
0: I don't know. <laughs> All I know is that I want kids to honor themselves. A lot of times, I remember, So <laughs> I'm a little bit older than you, <laughs> I remember Martin Luther King. And I remember the things that he stood for. And, you know, since then, every time, every, every January, there's an assembly program for him. And kids are acting out certain things. And I kept thinking, are they really and truly honoring him? When, you know, after that kid is finished, what do you call playing Martin Luther King? He goes out and and, and hits somebody. (laughs) I don't think that's honoring him. (laughs) So I said to myself, in order for kids to really honor him or honor anybody, they have to honor themselves. And I think it's a heavy loaded word, but it's so important for them to see their own value that that's, I think that's why I use that word honor your life respect yourself see your value Mm -hmm. see yourself with the highest self esteem I don't know it stuck you know (laughs) it it just stuck
1: so I believe on the website it talks about when you started this you brought in your friends you brought in your colleagues and basically you just started David's Shoes what's the first step in starting a program like this because I imagine like there's so many What's step number
0: one? Step number one is figure out what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) And then get scared (laughs) because you have to do it. The first thing I found, it was really funny. That It's not all me. I do have a deep faith. And I have to believe that God was just pointing me from one thing to another. I have to believe that because I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know, number one, I wanted this organization and then I heard about this thing called 501c3. So what the heck is that? And so I had to figure out what that was. So I said, okay, I need a 501c3. And then in order for me to get a 501c3, they said, you had to have a board of directors. Well, what the heck is the board of directors? So then I had to get a, a group of people who, and they, who consented to be on the board of directors. We don't even know what we were doing. We just made sure that one thing I knew I wanted to do was to do the presentations. And then by the end of the first year, I wanted wanted to do the scholarships. And that was the first thing. And so we decided to work on those things. And as years went by, it, thanks to Google, <laughs> and then thanks to, there's an organization called Candid, and it's for nonprofits. And what they do is they give resources to nonprofits. They have a huge library in New York where you, know, you can go and get information from. And they have satellite areas here in New Jersey as well where you can go and they have a foundation directory of thousands and thousands and thousands of funders who are willing to give out funding, grants. But I went to several of their workshops. Mm-hmm. One thing I find is that the health of David's Shoes is connected To my own health. I have to be honest, as much as honest as I possibly can, you know. And the things that I want David Shoes to do, I have to be as well. Because you can't do the, that can't be an imbalance. And so, just like me being a human being, (laughs) Mm -hmm. making mistakes, then I have to realize that David Shoes is going to make mistakes and have made mistakes. And we just get up and correct the mistake and keep on going. I think the one thing, because we've been going for at least 15 years now, and the only thing, the reason why we've been going for 15 years is because I made a decision that this is what it's going to be. And so if I fall, I've got to get up. If I fall, I've got to get up. You know, that's all there is to it.
1: So you mentioned that you joined these other organizations that were supposed to end gun violence in teens, but it didn't fulfill you as much as starting David Shoes Day. Right. And I'd love to know why that is. Like, what did starting this foundation do that the adjoining other ones didn't
0: well number one i'm a teacher (laughs) (laughs) so going to schools and and by this time i'm close to retirement and by that time i was really outside the classroom i I think um, when my son was killed i was a literacy coach or something working Mm -hmm. with teachers wasn't inside that classroom with kids then i went to montclair state to be honest with you And so I was working with young adults. I wasn't working with, because the grade level I taught most of the time was eighth graders. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't with my eighth graders. I was with young adults. And so, number one, this gave me the opportunity to stay connected with kids Mm -hmm. because I go and speak to them. And that gives me a lot of energy, you know. And so that was one thing. I think that there's a necessary part to reduce gun violence totally, or even among teens. We need these organizations who press for laws that would curb gun violence. We need that. But I'm not the one to do it. (laughs) Also needed is someone who is willing to work with kids to let them see who they are so they don't need that gun. Mm. You know, and that's the part that I decided that that's what I needed. That's what I wanted to work on.
1: So you mentioned this background in education and part of the organization is teaching kids how to honor life. And I just want to know, like, how do you make a curriculum for kids to honor life?
0: Good question. (laughs) (laughs) What's also on my books, you know, my next goal is to create a curriculum. And what I have to do is to research and create, like, a six-week curriculum because I want us to adopt a school and be in that school for at least six weeks and then adopt a class, a Mm fifth-grade class, because research says that's where you can make your strongest attack. So we want to adopt a fifth-grade class and for the whole year and be with them almost, like, weekly, you know, for six weeks. And then always check in on them for the rest of the year. See how they're doing, what they're doing. I think did you look and see what's necessary for kids to succeed? What are the kinds of thoughts and ideas and beliefs and values that has to be in order that helps kids to succeed? And inside this curriculum, these are some of the things that has to be there. You have to teach by experiencing, creating activities where kids would find out, oh, my God, look at what I did, you know, where they would find out for themselves, hopefully, and begin to, to at least incorporate some of the things that we want them to, to learn or to, to be.
1: We've talked a lot about the mentorship, or we've talked about the fact that there are mentorship programs within David's Shoes. What makes a good mentor?
0: I think a good mentor is one who listens. The person has got to listen first because when you, if you listen, then you have some idea as to where the student is. And then after you've listened, you may want to be able to direct this person to resources or you may want to Ask questions, because I do believe questions are extremely important, much more than statements. And so you may want to ask questions that would get this kid to think. And if you get him to think, you may be able to get him to solve problems on his own, you know, to come to a solution that benefits him and solve whatever that problem is. But it first has to come with being able to listen and being able to value that person, not as person, somebody who needs me, you know, needs my, all of my knowledge, but needs someone to open up the knowledge that he has himself. And so he can get to that knowledge and, and use it the way it should be used.
1: The way that you talk about your work, a lot of it focuses on like teens, especially like sort of younger teens. You mentioned a lot of fifth to eighth grade stuff and I know I'm growing older and older and farther away (laughs) from like being a teen and something that I, when I want to talk to my teenage younger cousins or just like teenagers in general about like heavy life stuff, I feel like this awkwardness. Uh I wonder if you feel it and how you get past that because Let's face it, teenagers can be awkward sometimes. I'm awkward around teens. How do you get past that?
0: Well, you know what? I feel very comfortable with teens because, you know, if they're saying something that I don't understand, I'm going to ask them about <laughs> it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I feel very comfortable with them. And I know that they're going to say something that will blow my mind or make me totally upset, you know. That's, that's a possibility, too. But I know that. And I think, especially when you're talking to teens, I've learned, it's just to be honest as possible, and be as honest as possible, because I think then you are paving a way for them to do the same. This last year, in December, I did a presentation, a David Hughes presentation, but this was from a, a larger group, you know, this is a whole, I think they had maybe 250-some kids there, and then they would break the kids up into different workshops. But the opening remarks were from for the whole group, and the one thing that I learned there was living in a society now where kids are so frightened that having a gun is important, mm-hmm. and it shocked the living daylights out of me. You know, I'm thinking no guns, and, mm-hmm. and I left out there almost in, I left out there really in tears, and I had to get myself together because I knew the the group was going to come in. Mm-hmm. I was extremely angry, and then it dawned on me, look at the society and see what's happening on the news every night, every night. These kids, that's what they're reacting to. It's not that they want to have guns. They just want to protect themselves. (laughs) That's what they want, you know. And so by the time they came in, I was able to calm down. But I was also able to share with them exactly what had happened to me because I did have a a different presentation totally. But just finding out, because I just thought that no kid would want a gun. No kid would want. And here I am where the majority of the kids say, yeah. But I honestly believe it was for protection. It wasn't that they wanted to hurt or kill somebody. It was for protection. And so then we had to start talking about that, start where they are, before I could even talk about what I wanted to talk about.
1: I want to thank you once again for coming on the show. We are running up on time. Mm. But I do want to end off with one final question, Mm. and that is if a listener out there has someone in their life, probably like teen-ish, that they want to express this message of honor life, how would they go about doing that? How do you get a teen that you know to honor life?
0: I don't know if I can get someone to honor life, you know? And I don't know. That's why I have to continue working (laughs) you know? What I have to want them to see is their own value. I think that's the first step, for them to see their own value. And that's not easy. I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I'm still (laughs) working on that, you know? You're not going to do it the first time. But if they can move from saying, you know what? I got a D on that test. I can do a little bit better. So this is what I'm going to do. That's the first step because they are honoring themselves, you know. And so you start at the small steps. Okay, what is it that you can do for you? What is it that you can do for you, not for anybody else? And the first thing you can do is to look at yourself and say, believe. You have some kind of belief in yourself because if you don't have a belief in yourself, nobody else is going to believe you, have a belief in you. See, we you know, begin to start small and and just continue to work forward. What I would like to see done cannot be done within a presentation. It's just to to give that idea. Is this possible? Is it possible for me to be able to do this? Or is it is she right or you know, am I a little bit of that? And if they can say yes to that, then I'm believing that they're on the road. That's a possibility for them.
1: On behalf of everyone at the Vecino Leadership Institute, I'd like to thank the podcast team, 89.5 FM WSOU for allowing us to use their facilities, and you for listening. Follow us online at www.shu.edu backslash leadership, on Instagram at Vecino Leaders, and on Twitter at SHU Leadership. At Seton Hall, we make leaders better.